Are we legitimately out of food heist? So Meg Lloyd, we recorded a Writing Excuses episode with her. She sent me one just a couple days ago that was a four-year-old who grabbed mom's phone and ordered 37 hamburgers on DoorDash. Yeah. And at this point, yeah. Four-year-old Meg, I love you can't. very much, but I don't, I don't know if that's a food heist. I mean, there might be four-year-olds that can pull off a heist. <laughs> but that word does not really work. Outside of the Boss Baby movies. Yeah, like my kids, when they were that age, even still... It's like heist. Mm-hmm. They come thumping down the stairs and get a treat and go thumping back up. And my wife goes and says, did you come down and get a snack? And they're like mouth full of food all over them. <laughs> How did you know? Like, yeah. no, I mm. do not. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I That's okay. don't really have any food. Like I've got a couple that are stolen food. Yeah. Still- but that's not food heist. heist. Yeah. I want people breaking into a place and stealing all the gnocchis. Well, I mean, you know? we didn't have a food heist every episode when no, we started. We, we did not. We've had a food heist renaissance mm-hmm. as people have been sending you. <laughs> I imagine that many of our listeners just have a queue of food heists that are their favorites. And they're like, Dan likes them too. And I'm like the only person in the world that didn't know this was a thing. Yeah, and so they fired all been them all. behind your back. Yeah, off to you. And now they've gone through their cues. Mm-hmm. And so now we'll just have to have food heists yeah, as they naturally arise. Wait. So we've done food heists. We've done food defrauding. Uh-huh. We've done various other things. So really what I'm asking is two things. Number one, dear listeners, if you have a bona fide food heist that you want to send me, send it. Number two, if you don't, get out there and be the food heist you wish to see in the world. This advice is not condoned by our attorneys or by me. <laughs> or by Gandhi, whose quote I stole. So instead of food, we're going to talk about Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Mm. You have watched two episodes of Moon Knight. I have watched two uh, episodes of Moon the, Knight. What is it? Six episodes in total? That's yes. how Disney Plus is doing them. Yep. All right. I have seen the whole thing, and mm-hmm. so I will not spoil you on them. Yep. But I will say the first episode of Moon Knight is one of my very favorite episodes of Disney Plus television. The second episode I thought was awful. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I didn't think the second one was awful. It was not as strong as It wasn't as the awful. First. It was just kind of boring. I mean, I wouldn't say my favorite because WandaVision is my favorite. Mm-hmm. This is slotting in very well to be number two. Yes. But I'm nervous. Yeah. I'm nervous because this is the type of story that is very difficult to pull off an ending for. This is the type of story where the questions are more interesting than the answers in a lot of media. And because of that, I am worried that we've got a lost situation. Like WandaVision, why WandaVision works is there is one central mystery. Mm -hmm. And the story picks and pulls at that central mystery as it unravels and you come to an understanding of what's going on. The lost method is there are 70 mysteries and (laughs) you're really never sure what's going on at all. And every time one gets solved, a new one pops up. Yeah. And Moon Knight, it's right now nestled between those two. There's not like 70 mysteries, right? Mm -hmm. But there's like four or five mysteries and it's very intentionally confusing. Mm -hmm. And... The first episode was excellent. Oscar Isaac is really amazing. He really is. I like this a lot because if you haven't seen the show, he plays two different characters, but 
in maybe an alter. It's probably an alter, right? Yeah. I'm assuming mm-hmm. one is the a, character. A multiple personality. Yes. I assume having been someone who's researched a lot of disassociative identity disorder for mm-hmm. various things I'm working on, I'm assuming that one is an alter and one is not, but he's playing them so well. And it feels so far like a good depiction, not falling into some of the tropes and things like this to the extent that any action adventure series dealing with mental health can do. Well, and this is where we get into dangerous territory. I've made a lot of my career on trying to, you know, provide and shine light on accurate depictions, non-sensationalized depictions of mental illness. that's what we should say. And that is a tricky line to walk. You know, we talked just in the last episode that we've both written books about schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. and this one is doing DID, and, you know, we've complained over and over about how Arcane is kind of feeding a handful of dangerous tropes about mental health and violence. At the same time, what Moon Knight is doing is... In some ways, sensationalizing DID. Yes, it is. And in other ways, they're actually treating it kind of respectfully. And you don't really see that until late in the thing. You haven't seen the really solid okay. episode on it. Because I'm, um, I, I will say I'm worried, mm-hmm. but that's good to hear. I'm worried in that, you know, when you create an action adventure thing and you're like, you've basically got two good routes to go down. Yeah. One is the, I am a person with this. And it influences my life because, you know, this is what I live with. This is this is the Kaladin method, right? Mm-hmm. Kaladin lives with depression. Depression is just part of who he is. And if he didn't have depression, he would still be on the same adventure. His just psychology would be different, so he'd respond to things yeah. differently. Yeah. And that's what I try to do with a lot of my depictions. Then there's the let's explore the coolness that can be associated with different ways of seeing the world, which is really dangerous, right? That's what I did in Legion, and it is... And it has the potential to get you into a lot of trouble. Yes. It has the potential to cause harm to Mm -hmm. communities that are damaged by those improper depictions. It also has the potential, if you walk that line correctly, Mm -hmm. to kind of celebrate the people who manage and survive those conditions. Right. And Moon Knight is, like, first episode, I was really worried first episode i'm like okay for you to make this work i don't think it can be disassociated at any sort i think this needs to be a fantastical demonic possession and then second episode i'm like okay i think they're going the did route i think that they are trying to ease into and away from you know people lose control in did and then go kill people Mm -hmm. like that's where this could be very dangerous is People with DID are covering up serial killer personalities to go and murder people. Yeah. Right? This is the split version of it. Mm -hmm. That the alters exist to do terrible things rather than existing to help the person with DID be able to process and relate to the world. Yeah. And what you start to see in the second episode is Mm -hmm. strong, strong hints that Stephen is actually the alter rather than the main which sidesteps some of that violence problem. Right. I agree. That is when I started to think, oh, I think I know where they're headed with this. The reason that I liked it conceptually is, all right, this is why you dissociate, right? Mm -hmm. Your life is terrible and violent, and you are kind of a bad person, 
and creating a different personality that mm-hmm. then, and again, I'm not an expert on this, so I'm sorry I'm going to get some things wrong, yeah. but then can help you deal with this and is not the terrible murderer that that one was. It feels more realistic to me from the studies I've done and the people I've talked to. Yeah. But there's a danger here. This is a narrative danger. At the end of episode two, I do not want him to go be the evil murderer guy. I like him as the nice guy underdog protagonist, which they built him to be. And so if this is a story about that character realizing that he is an alter, like you could fall into some bad tropes. You could also just narratively, there's the problem of, I don't like the other guy. That's a problem if my story is going to be about the other guy. Yeah. And I think they know that. I think they know that. They did it intentionally. You don't deliberately make an underdog, very sympathetic character with this aggressive sort of mean other side to their character and not understand we're going to bond to the first one. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Absolutely. I'm very curious to see what you think of the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. It's a very dangerous line to walk. I think yeah. they walked it about as well as they could. I can guarantee that there are people out there who still think that it is an irresponsible depiction. Yeah. And there are also people who have DID who enjoy it. There are people on both sides of that spectrum. Absolutely. Yes. And I would encourage listening to what they both have to say. Listen to their voices rather than ours. What we're going to talk about then is Mm -hmm. the story itself. Yes. Which... I think what I said on the podcast months ago when this first came out is that first episode feels more like, not necessarily like the best MCU show thing, Mm -hmm. but the most Dan-targeted one. Right. It was very much all of Dan's buttons being pushed. All the supernatural elements, the horror elements, the psychological elements. I was really just in heaven on that first episode. The cuts in that episode. Mm -hmm were so incredible. And the jumps back and forth and the confusion that he is feeling as we feel it is so, so cool. And the mystery feels legit and interesting and all of that. Mm -hmm. Tell me why you don't like the second episode. In hindsight, Mm -hmm. at the time, I would have told you that the second episode was boring. Okay. But it's where all the world building happens. Like it's in the where second a lot episode, of world building comes in. It's where Layla comes in, who is yes. really, really good. You really you, love her. Yeah. You meet her. You meet Skullbird, Bird Skull yeah. Man. You get to meet Khonshu. Yep. Ultimately, I don't think that Harrow is a very good villain. Okay. That's Ethan Hawke. That's Ethan Hawke. Uh-huh. Ethan Hawke does a good job. I think he does about as good of a job as is possible to do with making soft-spoken cult leader mm-hmm. compelling. Because I don't find that compelling at all, and I've never liked it any other time that it's appeared. Okay. The other problem you'll get, and you'll see this in episode three as well, is the narrative just has Harrow show up wherever and whenever he is needed, regardless of the physics required mm-hmm. for him to do that. Yeah, He will show up at places that he has no business being, where he would have no reason to go just because the story says, oh, well, we need a fight now, or we need some long-winded moralizing now. Okay. I can see that. But really, two and three are the worst for that, and mm-hmm. then it gets really fascinating again. It dives right back into both the supernatural stuff and the psychological stuff in a way that two and three kind of elided two and three are more of the 
classic adventure story. Okay. You know, two in the city and three is Indiana Jones in the desert. Okay. But, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, so far I like it, but I have all these worries that it sounds like maybe I don't need to have. (laughs) Well, ultimately, I think it is more strange than it is amazing. It is a show that I'm really glad they made, mm-hmm. that they swung for the fences and they took a lot of risks on. They did some very bizarre things. And while it doesn't all hold together, I am still delighted to have seen it. Hmm. Well, we will see how yeah. it goes. Let's segue into talking just about... Well, I, w- oh, I wanted yeah. to ask you about yeah. the rest of the, the MCU yeah. Disney Plus shows. Yeah. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah, let's, let's yeah, because about... you said WandaVision is your favorite, and yes. I would absolutely agree with that. I think the structure of WandaVision is one of the most ballsy, mm-hmm. brilliant things I have ever seen. Yeah. Using different eras and specific sitcom pastiches as a way of exploring a process of grief. Yes. That's amazing. Right. I've rarely been so jealous of an idea as when I realized what they were doing with WandaVision. So I can't remember how much we've talked about, but a brief summary. WandaVision is amazing. I even like the ending. A lot of people think Mm -hmm. it goes to MCU Big Fight Fest. It's saved for me from that by having the two visions enter a philosophical discussion. And Mm -hmm. then the true climax of the series being Wanda deciding that she has to confront her grief and she has to mm-hmm. let go in order to be a better person, right? Like she has to let the people go in the city. Yeah. She has to let her children vanish. She has to, in some ways, embrace confronting her pain, which is more painful yeah. than ignoring it in order to ever get better. And that becomes the true climax for me. And so having a big fight in the middle is fun and I'm totally cool with it. <laughs> yeah, my one quibble with that is... Mm-hmm. I see the ending of WandaVision not as a redemption, but as a supervillain origin story. Right. And I haven't seen Doctor Strange, but I've read enough reviews to know that it seems like that's the direction they're heading with the character. And see, that's, I guess, how I see it very differently from you. Okay. By having the arc be her letting go. Mm -hmm. It is the fulfillment of promise is I am confronting my grief and I am going to get better. Right. If the ending had been, I don't care, you've just forced me out of here, I would have lived here forever, mm-hmm. and now you have forced me to leave, that is a supervillain origin story. You have taken from me the thing, right, where instead she apologizes to the people, she knows she has to let go of her oh, yeah. children, mm-hmm. and she makes the decision, she isn't forced into the decision, that's not supervillain origin she, for me. She is absolutely showing that she has all power. Mm-hmm. No one can make her stop doing this. She yes. is voluntarily giving it up. You're absolutely yes. right about all of that. But to me, that is a very fine line that they are trying to walk between. Here's the redemption arc, but also she has not fully processed this. She mm-hmm. is clearly seeking out like, here's the evil book of magic that no one should ever read. It's inherently corruptive. And she takes that and goes and reads it like she's clearly set on a dark path at that point, despite this temporary kind of victory over her her yeah. darker nature. I think that if you want that to be the case, you have to end WandaVision differently. 
personally. Yeah. I think that that's, <laughs> and we'll talk more when you've seen Doctor Strange. After we've I seen have. Doctor Strange. My biggest complaint about Doctor Strange is this issue. Really? Yeah. Okay. Single biggest, almost movie ruining for That me. they did not properly lay the groundwork they needed. Yes. That it feels like they had to film both of them at once. And I think they may have done so because, you know, Timmy and Tommy are the same age in WandaVision as they are. And they're at the oh, age okay. where if you go six months, they don't look the same. Yeah. You know, maybe they just filmed them back to back or they got their scenes in or something like that. Is that their names, Timmy and Tommy? I don't remember. You know, they make some appearances and they look. And they maybe look if the I same and maybe if huh? I compared them, okay. I would be wrong. But regardless, it feels like they didn't know how good WandaVision was going to be. And didn't know how great a job they would end up doing exploring grief and mental health mm -hmm. in a way that is uplifting and inspiring. So you think they had a much darker ending planned and then swerved? No, I think that they were making WandaVision and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's this little thing that's so weird no one's going to really like it. It'll just be our supervillain origin story. And do your thing, people who are making WandaVision. Just make sure at the okay. end she's a supervillain. And then they made a really powerful depiction of grief and overcoming grief and mm -hmm. a realistic look at mental health that is very inspiring yeah. and then released it for us. And then, oh, crap, she just has to be a supervillain. <laughs> and so, you know, you're just going to watch Doctor yeah. Strange. And she I'm going to watch it. And maybe yeah. they go much harder on supervillain than I am expecting based on very cagey reviews that I've read. And it is a Sam Raimi movie, so... It's a Sam Raimi yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. They let Sam Raimi, Sam they Raimi. Let Sam Raimi be Yeah, Sam I'm Raimi. not going to spoil anything for you because there is some delicious Sam Raimi. Okay, that's good. I'm also a big fan of Scarlet Witch from the comics, you know, mm -hmm. and House of M and all of these things yes. that, you know, arcs she's been a part of where she's clearly an all-powerful supervillain. Yeah, and I knew they were going yeah. that route. Anyway, WandaVision is my favorite. Loki, I love... Mm -hmm. but it is kind of bad. Really? Well, it's bad is the wrong term. So um, Loki, I love Tom Hiddleston as Loki. And we talked about this, I'm sure. But as a probably. summary, I have to swallow two ginormous pills to like Loki. Okay. Pill number one is in the Loki show, I have to pretend is the same Loki I've been watching movies about mm. and that he has had the actual character development he had in Thor Ragnarok. Because the Loki character development in Thor Ragnarok is the type of development that would lead to the character being the person that he is in the Loki television show. Yeah. But and he they, gets to watch that on a television show and pretends he's and picked up pretends all the characters. pretends that he's picked it all up. They, they really do kind of just blur that out and say, yeah. okay, he's the same Loki now. Yes. And so I have to add on top of it, and I'm totally happy doing this, mm -hmm. that the soul of that Loki entered his body and it's the same look, <laughs> right? So if I can okay. swallow that pill and then if I can swallow the pill that all of this is requiring me to swallow, which is multiverse, because multiverses are bad. Having written a book <laughs> series where I dabbled in them, mm -hmm. multiverses are just bad narratively. They're really hard to keep any sort of tension in. They remove consequences in ways that are just spectacularly disturbing mm -hmm. they you know can have entire realities collapse yeah and that's horrifying but you just have to deal with it you just have it. to move on you just and well okay so my question then yeah one of the reasons that i loved loki i will mm -hmm. let me say before i ask yeah. this question 
I consider, as much as I love WandaVision, uh-huh. I do consider it flawed, in particular the ending. Yeah. I think Loki is beat for beat the one that holds together the best. Okay. I think it has the best ending of any of the Disney Plus shows. It does. I also, agree with that. and one of the things that I love about it is it feels like Tom Hiddleston's audition reel for Doctor Who. Okay. Right? Okay. Are you a Doctor Who guy? I am not. Because so many of those middle episodes are basically just evil Doctor Who, which changes the flavor of multiverse and time travel enough for me to just accept it at face value and not concern myself with any of the implications. So there's this thing I've talked about on the podcast before, and I worry we're repeating ourselves too much, so we're going to have to move on quickly from this, Mm -hmm. but there's a thing I've talked about before called the Newt Principle. The Newt Principle. Yes, based off of aliens. I don't don't remember hearing this. You've talked about this during the live streams, not on the podcast. Oh, not on the podcast. Okay, well, let me talk about the Newt Principle. Let's hear about the Newt Principle. The new principle is stated simply, be very, very careful of undermining the emotional investment that people have in a better property than you are making or a better story than you are telling. Or even be very, very careful of undermining the emotional investment people have in a good story Mm -hmm. for your story, which may end up not being as good. So the new principle is named after Newt from Aliens. Mm -hmm. If you haven't watched Aliens, summary, little girl is found among a big colony of- Surviving against all odds inside of the alien infestation. And Ripley, part of her character arc, the heroine of the stories, is I need to save this little girl. Mm -hmm. And also probably my boyfriend. Like I'm falling in love and I'm going to save this little girl. And it is framed very well for us that nothing- matters as much as getting those two out that's her arc that is the victory at the end yes third movie starts everyone's dead newt and the boyfriend have died in between movies in hypersleep yeah you get out of the thing and they're both dead this starts you off alien 3 is not a terrible movie but the people who hate it often hate it for that exact reason but if you start your movie off undermining a really strong beloved movie, mm-hmm. then you are on your back foot. The new Muppets movies did this. The second one, I think, is a superior movie to the first one, much less The most liked. wanted? Yeah. I think the music is better. I think the jokes are better. I think the characters are more themselves. I like that one better. Okay. But it ruins itself. It shoots itself in the head in the first scene by implying the first movie which is a good movie, well-beloved. Mm-hmm. And it has some nice arcs to it. There's a lot of things that are really great about that movie. Yeah. By implying none of that actually happened, they were all actors, they're gone now. Yeah. Right? That movie that you loved is no longer canon. Mm-hmm. Here's a new movie for you to watch. And there's all sorts of delightful things, like an evil Kermit that's played really well, that yeah. I love, and all these things. But... None of it really matters because now you're like, I can't invest emotionally in your movie because the one that you got me to invest in that was so good. You pulled the rug out. You pulled the rug out. And all multiverse stuff, but Loki in particular does this. The moment where they say, oh yeah, we've got 30 time stones in a drawer is a funny joke. Mm -hmm. It is a great joke. It's an amusing rug pull, throwing out all expectations. And what it says is, all those other movies that you watched. Yeah. They were all the, all those intensely emotional sacrifices yes. of characters you spent twelve years falling in love with, 
It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. They were prescribed to have to do this by someone else writing. They didn't have free will. Mm-hmm. No heroism exists. Captain America wasn't heroic. Captain America had a script that was written that he had to follow. And if he hadn't, then he would have stopped existing or whatnot. And so this movie, when I say it's bad, or show I say it's bad, it's this. It's not really Loki. The performances are great. The writing is great. Yeah. The, it was that fundamental core. Yes that the storytelling hinges on is really a type of storytelling that I don't like. And I love Loki despite this, which should speak to how (laughs) well Loki was done. But anytime you introduce a multiverse, it's like time travel. It's one of these things you introduce that from then on makes it very difficult to tell stories Mm -hmm. in a way that's satisfying. Yeah. Let me ask you about the guy at the end, because I thought to myself based on how this show has been structured thus far, Mm -hmm. they're going to introduce the big bad guy in the final episode when we have had no time to bond with him emotionally or care about him, and it's going to fall on its face. And instead, that guy was absolutely electric, and I couldn't take my eyes off of him. And I agree. He hit it out of the park. I'm excited to see him as a big bad Yeah, It's a good example of how something that's dangerous can be done well because it's dangerous because you're like, oh, it's not going to have emotional Mm -hmm. investment. It's a new bad guy. Instead, it's a promise instead Mm -hmm. of a fulfilling of a promise. Yeah. And you get to have Selfie become, that's her name, right? Selfie? Sophie? So Selfie. I think it's Selfie. I have no idea. I can't remember. I thought it was Sophie, but it might have been something else. She gets to become the actual villain which mm-hmm. works really well. Yeah. The part that doesn't work is everything was scripted. None of the characters had free will or volition <laughs> and nothing mattered. Why did you watch those other dumb movies? Watch our new cooler movies. See, I am willing to completely disregard that. And maybe that is me making excuses for the story mm-hmm. or maybe that is me just saying, ah, oh, Doctor Who, hand wave. That's what Wibbly, it says, wobbly, but there's wobbly. actually, yeah. they totally were doing mm-hmm. good things. But, so anyway, we both love yeah. Loki, mm-hmm. and we both love WandaVision. Yep. We both kind of love Moon Knight, and, and yeah. jury's still out for you. Yep. I really enjoyed the first two episodes, and I'm excited to watch more. Fantastic. So. Captain America, Winter Soldier. Winter Falcon, and the, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Didn't really care for it. Yeah, same. Did we talk about that, Adam? I think we may have. I don't remember talking about it with you. I don't you. think you talked about it. We didn't talk this. about it. Really? No. Mm-mm. I swear we did. It may, may have been We did a whole episode yeah. on Black Widow, which yes. probably touched on this. Yeah. Okay. The thing is, I love Anthony Mackie, and I yes. love Sebastian Stan, and they were amazing. And every time I got to watch those two bounce off of each other, mm-hmm. I was in it. Okay. But the story as a whole was... Just an absolute Swiss cheese of a narrative structure that did not hold up, often even within episodes, let alone over the course of the series. Yeah. And it's not that the stakes were lower. Mm-hmm. I think it gets unfairly chastised for that because they're like, you know, here's Loki dealing with the entire multiverse, and then here's Falcon yeah. the Winter Soldier. Moon Knight no. has low stakes, and it's great. Yeah. The stakes are still high. They're just more personal, yeah. and they're more generational, and there's some interesting things going on, but So no. here are my complaints. Blah. Number one, it's all of that stuff. Yeah. The writing, it felt like a Rousseau Brothers story without the Rousseau Brothers and their writing team. Most of the jokes didn't land. The acting was great. They do a good job. But a lot of the writing, like if you just compare the one-liners that they're making to one-liners 
in the previous Captain America things. Mm -hmm. They're just fallen flat one after another. Also, the story didn't need to happen. You can say the same thing maybe for WandaVision, but in this story, we start end in the same place we started, and I don't feel like the journey that the two characters went on gave me enough of what I wanted, which is buddy cop between those two. Yeah. And when it was buddy copping between those two, great. But when it wasn't, like... I won't say that it ended where it started because mm-hmm. I think it very much was about let's pass the torch of Captain America onto Anthony Mackie. Right. But it's probably but too strong. That was a good thing to do. They did not do it well. Yeah. But beyond that, I felt like there were so many holes that I didn't understand mm-hmm. what's going on. Why Anthony Mackie, why Falcon is doing what he's doing. Like his motivations just were bizarre to me. Like, who is he working for? Why is he involved in this fight? Who is Mm -hmm. this to him? Who is funding him? Yeah. Is he an Avenger or not? An Avenger is not paid enough to fix a boat? Like, this was a small thing, but it kept coming up to me. It's one of these things I'm like, wait a minute. He's Tony Stark's friend. (laughs) He saved the world. Tony Stark has billions He's funding the Avengers, right? You're getting a good salary in the Avengers. One has to assume. It really felt to me like they knew where they wanted to end. Mm -hmm. This is the story of a black man becoming Captain America, right? Yes. Ultimately, that's what the whole show was about. Mm -hmm. And so much of the buildup to it was just treading water Mm -hmm. until we get there. Very directionless, very sensational. The U.S. agent, that kind of greasy guy, gets... Out of nowhere and without having earned a single second of it, a redemption at the end? So after he's he weird. beat a guy to death? Yeah, he's weird because... No, I'm going to go the other direction on him. Really? I'm going to go the other direction. So here's the thing. Until he snaps, mm-hmm. I feel like he's in the right. If you watch the show, the show is framing him as a bad guy, but he doesn't do bad guy stuff. Yeah, he is. He's, trying he's kind of arrogant, hard. and he's, he's kind of kind of smarmy. But but he he's, is. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing, and he's trying really hard to mm-hmm. work with Falcon. He's trying really hard to do I, the right. I don't thing. think he's trying very hard to work with Falcon. Oh, I think he is. If you have those scenes where he goes, he's like, "I'm here to help," and yeah, he's a jerk. So he's not as good at it as he should be. <laughs> mm-hmm. But being a brusque person that's kind of jerky is, you know. Shouldn't be a sin. True. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. he is a little bit harder to work with, but he's trying. They picked him. They forced this upon him. He is trying to do his thing. I thought he was really interesting for that reason in the first half of the show. Like, wow, he could have just been cartoon bully, dude. And -hmm. instead, they're trying. He's a guy, and a lot of the problems he has is that the military is using him for these special ops where he's been asked to compromise his integrity again and again, and now they're asking him to stand up for the person who represents all integrity. What do you do? That's really hard, and things like that. The thing where he went bonkers and killed a guy, right? Mm -hmm. How is this different from the other times when the MCU heroes have beat the crap out of people and they just (laughs) didn't die? Because being thrown through a wall kills you sometimes and doesn't other times. Mm -hmm. Now, he lost control. But how is that different from when the Hulk loses control? How is that different from when Tony Stark lost control? I I readily agree Mm -hmm. with this. I think it is 
you know, the same principle we saw in the second season yeah. of Daredevil, right? which is very much Daredevil is the good guy, whereas Punisher is the crazy murderer. Yes. And then we have a scene where Daredevil drops like nine guys down a flight of stairs. Yeah. And we're supposed to continue believing that he is the one with a moral code who won't kill people. So, yes, you're right about that. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, the ending on that was bad, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of dealing with the complex issues that they have raised, there's like, ah, you yeah. know, here's Louise Julia Dreyfus. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. Yeah. I will say her showing up, that's the greatest cameo that She's I've great. ever seen in the MCU. If there is any celebrity, any single celebrity in the entire world mm-hmm. that I would geek out over it is Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And seeing her show up as essentially the new, sassy, morally ambiguous Nick Fury, yes. I am 110% down for that as the future of the MCU. Yeah. But regardless, yeah. this is the problem with Falcon Winter Soldier. Raises these interesting issues, doesn't deal with them. So, Well, and really, and I know we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. that is ultimately my problem with every Captain America movie. Mm. Winter Soldier and Civil War are both... Let's raise a bunch of really tricky questions, and then instead of answering them, we'll blow up some flying aircraft character. You know? I'm going to disagree um, on Civil War. Okay. Civil War ends with Black Panther realizing he's been wrong and dogmatic. Like, there's an actual facing and confronting of the issue. Mm -hmm. It ends with Captain America and Tony Stark's relationship crumbling because neither of them will give in. And both of them are wrong. And there's no good ending. Now, the next movie doesn't use that, right? (laughs) So that's the problem. Yes. Right? That movie doesn't have that problem. You're you're right that Civil War is, it's not that it is Mm -hmm. ignoring the questions, but I do believe it stands that it raises all these questions and then has no answers. The point is that there are no answers. Right. So you're right, Mm -hmm. but it still kind of bugged me. Getting back to all this Captain America stuff, watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier Mm -hmm. kept reminding me throughout of my favorite comic book arc of all time, Mm -hmm. which is Reign of the Superman. Okay. This is DC. Superman has been killed by Doomsday. And then there's a big, long arc that went on for a year or more. Yeah. That was essentially... Four other options trying to step up and take that role. I read all of those comics. It is my very favorite comic arc of all time. So I think that's one of the reasons that Falcon and the Winter Soldier didn't work for me because it was clearly playing in the same space of Mm -hmm. Captain America's gone. Who's going to be the next one? We have U.S. Agent, who is good Mm -hmm. for these reasons and bad for these reasons. Falcon is good for these reasons and bad for these reasons. Sebastian Sand is good. and, And never really explored any of those options in a way that felt satisfying to me. What would the world be like if this person was right. Captain America? Which the comics that you yeah. referenced, the Death which of Superman, Reign of the Superman, did. Did really well. I think we need to put a pin in and keep <laughs> going on this because we haven't talked about What If. Yes. And we haven't talked about Shang-Chi. We did talk about Black Widow. Is this going to be a larger like phase four discussion? I, think I was it, thinking of it as a Disney Plus TV show discussion. Maybe we should wait until I've watched a few more episodes of Moon Knight. Okay. And then talk more about Moon Knight and then talk more about Phase 4 and and What If. But uh, is What If the only other one of the TV shows we haven't talked about yet? We haven't talked about Am I forgetting one? Yeah, Hawkeye. Hawkeye, that's the one. haven't seen Hawkeye. You haven't seen Hawkeye. Yeah. I will say this about What If. Mm Mm-hmm. I got very bored by it. 
I watched two, maybe three of them. Mm. And I felt very bad because What If was one of my favorite comics to read Mm -hmm. because it was all the, you know, the alternate reality. Let's take a look at this thing, you know. For whatever reason, I just couldn't bring myself to care about the stories in What If. It's because of the multiverse. It's because of the multiverse problem. Yeah. There's a couple things. There's a lot to talk about with What If that's interesting. I agree with you 100%. And I think that we can talk about it in an interesting way. But I want to put a pin in it because I want to save something because I okay. feel like our next Moon Knight discussion, it's going to be two episodes and then we'll we, have like yeah. 15, 20 minutes to talk about that. And then we'll want to talk about something other, so, so, else. So met let, let's, let's come back with a part two discussion where we can hit Hawkeye and what if and uh, rest of Moon Knight. Okay. Awesome. How's that, Ben? All of the Bens in the multiverse. <laughs>